this episode of Common Sense Amia, we'll be talking to the founder of Cannabend, one of the OG dispensaries in Bend, Oregon. In addition to Cannabend, our guest is also the founder of Joint Scullery, a successful cannabis events company, and capping off with i.cannabis, a local networking group that focuses on education in the cannabis space. Today's guest understands the value of networking and community. Lizette Coppinger, welcome to Common Sense Amia. Good morning. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I know the store is probably busy, so hopefully you have plenty of awesome customer service specialists running around completing orders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, by now we have a pretty solid team and yeah, customer service is number one, so you got to be on top of that one. I, I feel the same way. I feel like the more the more my company develops, the less I feel like we're a website company or an SEO company or a digital marketing company. Like we're just a customer service company and this is the thing we do, right? Mm -hmm. Do you align with that at all? No, absolutely. And, um, you know, when we first uh, were talking about opening a business, I would tell my husband, I was like, it doesn't matter whatever we do. Any other, any business that we decide to go into, if we have customer service as our number one priority, other than, you know, all the other factors that are important, but customer service, number one, we'll make it, we'll make it in any business. Totally. And one of the things that pushed us towards this business was kind of the lack of customer service that we would see anywhere we went. You know, that time there weren't that many dispensaries, but the ones that you did find, it was just not uh, the best example for what our industry should be. Uh actually the exact reason I started my company and not because of a experience I had with a, with a cannabis website development company, but rather one I experienced in an actual retail establishment. I will not, I couldn't even remember the name of it if I tried, but um, I won't name it. It probably, there's no way it's still in business, but anyway, I went in, this was in Denver, maybe. So like Denver, maybe like a year or two years after um, legalization had, you know, rec, rec, adult use had taken hold there. And I was just flabbergasted. And I had come before like getting into sales and the digital, you know, SaaS sort of software side of things. I worked in retail, right. And I worked for Apple and Apple is like, I mean, I don't have to explain Apple to anybody listening. I worked for Apple and customer service was I very important to Apple. Yeah. And like the whole retail experience thing yeah. was like drilled into our ethos and I really believe, I still believe it, you know, like that's still, that had a big impact on me. So I, I still, um, but I went into the store and I was like, oh my God. And at the time I was, you know, kind of doing this, right. We were, I was doing digital marketing. I was like, there's, there's room here. There's, there's a need <laughs> like this customer no, service absolutely. is garbage. No, you're totally right. And I, you know, that's one of the reasons why Apple, aside from having amazing products, you know, but uh, they're so successful. And I do think it's, it's, it's not just about selling the product, but it's about the experience that you give the customer. And yeah. the, in every interview, we, you, we tell the, our, um, our staff, you have, you know, the first minute, the, even less than a minute, the person coming in, the customer's already going to make up their mind as to what kind of store you are, what kind of person you are. And unfortunately, first impressions do matter. And if they don't make the connection, they're just, it's not going to be mem memorable. You know, you exactly. want to make an impact. You want to make a difference and have the person, the customer walk out and just be like, that was a great experience. Like I wasn't even expecting that, but I'm in a great mood, a great product. That was great. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to tell everybody about this place. And that's uh, one of um, the important factors, I think, why we've, uh, after eight years, we're still around. Yeah. That I is mean, <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, you have to like, that's without a doubt. You, you know, the customer service is the cherry on top that, you know, your consumers, most, you know, American consumers, I would say all consumers demand of, of, you know, the places they shop for sure. And in retail, that's especially the case for sure. You know, you're right. You have, you know, less than a minute to make that first impression. And if you don't knock it out of the park, there won't be a second. And that's what those kinds of companies, you know, it's really that those relationships, um, that, that relationship management and building, um, which keeps them coming back. And of course, great product, fair pricing, yeah. or, or in case if you're Apple, not fair pricing, you know, like high pricing, it's, uh, uh, you know, expensive products, but, um, product I want to yes, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, I want to talk to you about network. I want to talk to you about, you know, retail. And I want to talk to you about, 
um, mostly networking and kind of the community aspect of what you're doing. Um, but there are certain things that my listeners demand of me. And there is some hard hitting questions that I feel like I need to ask you. Um, I am from the East coast. Um, so I wanted to just check in with you about Oregon pizza. Are you guys okay? Is, is everything okay out there? I, th I think we're okay. You know, we, we are starting to see a lot of uh, different uh, food carts popping up with different types of pizza. Like yesterday I had Chicago style pizza. I think it was Chicago or maybe Detroit. Is Detroit a pizza thing? I don't know. Detroit, Detroit is like uh, sauce and then cheese on top and then Chicago, like a square, okay, like almost right. like a cookie sheet in like a brownie pan almost. So that's what it looked like. But the, the Detroit one that I had yesterday was very saucy, which I noticed and I hadn't yep. experienced that anywhere else. And so I had to eat it with a fork and a knife. It was still delicious, <laughs> though. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I mean, it's really important to me. It's part of my ethos. Uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, you know, just really drilled the importance of pizza into my brain. So I just want to make sure that everybody outside of New England, New York City are, are doing okay with their pizza situation. So I appreciate that. We're, we're okay, I, but I, you know, there's always a need for more. You know, okay. I'm a food lover, I'm a people lover, and people come together over food. So the more the merrier. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I can sleep tonight. Thank God. Um, I kind of want to hear, well, I'm not, not kind of, I do want to hear your, uh, your cannabis origin story. It seems like you, your husband, your business partner kind of lost your jobs around the same time and, yeah. you know, figured it out. Yeah. So, you know, um, to give you a little bit of my background, I didn't, um, I was born in New York, but I moved when I was two to South America and I didn't come back. I came back on and off to learn how to speak English but it wasn't, I wasn't raised here. And so mm -hmm. when I came, when I came up here to go to college and then, you know, I had this list of goals and then I, I met my husband who's from Oregon and I tried my first joint that was mailed to us in a little envelope from Eugene. It was two joints from his ex-girlfriend and that's all it took. I just took a, you know, smoke those joints and it, it was like the most amazing thing that was, that was back in college. So this is, we're talking about 24 years ago. Yeah, and I fell in love with it, and so uh, first after our first semester, uh, we started growing. So this is like back in '99, we started growing weed just in our closet, and you know back then there was no medical, there was no recreational, it was very frowned upon, very sketchy, and um, you know growing from our closets, um, he would make these kegerators and make them look like they were kegerators, but they really they were like little grow rooms, and it was just like refrigerators. Um, so that's how we started the grow. Like, you know, it was, in his, it was in our home. There were so many uh, harvests and, and just operations that we had to take down because of the risks that would come uh, from a visit from the landlord or the cable company or the water guy, you know, anything that people could go and snitch on you. Um, right. So until we actually had our first harvest, we had to take so many down. But then we got to Oregon. Um, and we kept growing. I worked in the legal field uh, as a paralegal and legal interpreter for many years. And uh, my husband was a bridge inspector for the city. Our best friend at the time was an insurance adjuster for um, in Portland. And the economy was really bad during that time. So um, we, we found ourselves laid off, but we still had our, our growth. At that point, the, they were medical growths. Mm -hmm. And so um, we said, and my husband and I were also starting to try to have a family. So we said, when we have our family, we'll move to Bend. It's a very nice area to raise your children. So um, being laid off, there was no paycheck to lose for me at least, you know? Yeah. Um, and and it's, a, it's a big deal. So there, since I didn't have anything to walk away from, my husband just kept pushing. It was like, let's do this, let's do this. And at the point I was like, okay, fine. Let's do this. I'll tell my entire family what we're doing. Being from South America, that was not easy. Our best friend, we called him in. We're like, hey, come join us in this venture. He had to tell his family from Nebraska. Also, it didn't go that well. I can um, imagine. <laughs> my husband's family, they, they took it a little better. But, you know, after everything that they had done for him for college and everything, that's not what they wanted to hear. Of course. And so, um, but, we, you know, we decided to put it all on the line and take our little savings and find a spot. That was the first thing that we did. Because it was back then, eight years ago, it was really difficult to find somebody that would lease you the space. Now it's very different. But back then, they were afraid that they would seize your property. And so no one wanted to rent to you. Finally, I secured a spot and, you know, filed for the license. Um, at the time, since it was at the very beginning before recreation, 
the time that it takes for the whole licensing process was nothing what it is compared to now. Now, we, we would try to start this business now. I'm not sure that we would be able to make it without having like $2 million sitting around or something, at yeah. least for Oregon. Everything has just grown so fast, right? Yeah. Um, but then, um, yeah, so then that's how we started. We started with a small savings. Um, lots of other places starting up, opening up. Like when the week that we opened, two other dispensaries along with us opened. So it was, the process was fast. And, you know, while everybody else was growing really quickly and expanding their businesses and making everything look just amazing, we really focused on having quality product, excellent customer service, and a very clean spot. And those yes. are the kind of the, the, the structure, the foundation that we said, it doesn't matter. Don't get carried away with how pretty everything else is, is with everybody else. We want to be here long-term and we'll just, you know, stack the blocks and do it slow. And it's really been a formula, um, you know, the formula that has uh, made us successful and, you know, why we're, we're still here. But we're not, we're not the fanciest. Um, I do think that we're definitely, you know, the top dispensary in our area. Yeah, I mean, fancy schmancy, right, Lizette? Like it's it's right. it's about. I, so I mean, you can be fancy. You know that we we create plenty of fancy things, but it's about the reason you're fancy. You know, quote fancy, or you're uh, what we call accessible, right? right. Uh, has very little to do sometimes with the you know, like how you're building that company, whether it's slow or fast or whatever, like it's about understanding who those customers are. And if you're in the fancy part of Bend, then you probably should be fancy if you're, and I don't know about Bend, but you know, like, that's what I'm saying. If you came into this understanding exactly who this customer is and who we want our customer to be most importantly, um, then it doesn't matter. Like you're, you're catering to it. That's customer service and understanding your brand is knowing who you're talking to and catering to that person. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I said, I, I well, I, I want to kind of go, go back to that. Like, I'm curious what that, how long was it between kind of uh, your husband's Lyle, right? Lyle, yeah. How, uh, how long did it take between you and Lyle and uh, Ron? Uh, well, how long did it take between you and Lyle losing your jobs to when the decision was made emotionally, right? Like maybe you weren't, maybe you were still months away from, you know, licensing or actually starting a business, but like. Yeah, so it, it happened pretty quick. And that's yeah. one of the things that I've noticed in this business, you have to move quick with those decisions. So, I mean, well, that's definitely maybe- true maybe two weeks from the time that I lost my job and we were like next step and let's do this. And as soon as we called Ron and Ron said, yes. And then I called, I started calling places and everybody was like, no, no, no. Some people would even hang up the phone on me. Like, that's just completely rude. Just tell me you don't want to lease. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then I found that <laughs> the spot that we're in now actually told me no several times, but I kept calling the lady back and I was just like, Hey, um, you know, just trying to talk my way through and finding out why, because she wasn't very clear as to her no. Yep. And um, at the time, there was a smoke shop that was next to us. And so she was like, you know, I just don't want it to be a conflict of interest because they've been with us for a long time and I just don't want to bring in any drama there. And I was like, you know what, like what we're selling, we're not trying to do the same thing they're doing. How about we don't sell anything that they sell? And she was like, okay, you got it. And so I locked in the, because the place was in really bad shape, but I locked in such a low amount for our monthly rent that every, all the pieces just kind of came together at the same time and, and it just worked. And yes, it was not a fancy place. We had to um, do, redo it ourselves. And that's why one of the things why I talked about, we need to be clean. We need to be like pristine. And at the time we, because we put in all our uh, savings between the three of us, so we didn't have any investors. We didn't have any loans. And so we didn't have, have money to stretch to those dollars. That's a stretch those dollars. So we brought our furniture from home to set it up <laughs> in the first best as we could. So we had a little lobby with our living room furniture. <laughs> I wish I could turn my camera around because I would show you, I would show you in my office just how much stuff from my house is now it, right? like it's like you literally the only work. things that aren't for my home are the desks, like yeah. the office desks and chairs. Everything else is for my house. <laughs> I remember we went to Target. That was like 
to one day before opening, we went to Target and got these dressers and we just literally just turned the dressers over and put this like thick upholstery fabric on the front and to just, you know, cover the back of the dressers. And they were just like, okay, if we're clean, customer service, excellent product, no one's gonna care about, you know, I think we're gonna gain more respect when people see us grow step-by-step. And sure enough, it, it did it. Because, um, you know, good product can only, can only carry you one way too. So it, now it was also about building that connection, showing the people who we were and that we were actually consumers of the product. Yep. And that's also, I think, something that was very attractive to the culture when you know you're not just an investor and you're actually you know you build your entire life around cannabis and so how can you not respect that i also think that that is like an interesting aspect of like kind of kind of like i don't know for lack of a better term like the legacy medical companies you know what i mean and and in some states you have you know corporate cannabis quote unquote kind of come in maybe at the onset of medical. And those are like, you know, newer states, states that have passed in the last like couple of years, where in states that had passed 10, 12, 15, 20 years ago, um, have more actual, you know, real cannabis growers, right? So they've, you know, there's, there is that layer of respect, because, you know, that, you know, sort of uh, generalized, stereotype of the cannabis consumer is kind of true in that like there is a there is a bit of snobbery in it like there is a bit of ego in it right like they know what they know they like what they like um and you've had the opportunity to like create that relationship more and i think especially uh non-medical consumers respect that type of company like yours way more than like an MSO that comes in and like, you know, just opens doors, you know, the week after rec is passed or something like that. Like right. you guys have earned it. You know what I mean? Like you've earned that respect. That finally feels like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. You know, I mean, eight years later, we just started, um, I'm actually sitting in um, the office of our garden of our grow. And this is a business that we just started um, a year ago, but we started actually, this is the second time we're starting it. We started it. I think it was like 2006, maybe 2007. And when it recreational hit, we had to shut down our original grow because the zoning regulations changed. So we were in a commercial zoning. Now you're only allowed in industrial and um, industrial and I'm spacing out. There's something else, but our, our grow at the time didn't work. So we had to shut everything down after we had built it and start from scratch, find a new building, apply for it, buy it. Try to, and at that point, you're sitting, you know, uh, the, you have to reapply. So, but there's so many applications that it took four years for us to be able to open this, like almost a year ago. Wow. And you have to, you know, we've been paying mortgage on this building for four years. Um, yeah, without being able to plant a plant. Without being able to do anything with it. And so then we did have to find investors for this business because, you know, you can't, you can only do so much as a little guy. Um, but you know, you find the right people and after people, you know, you, you see, you interact with the time just, you know, gives away so much. So over time, you kind of learn who is who in the industry, the players, the red flags. And, um, but I don't know, cannabis is just a, it's such a business of collaborations, you know, that yeah, I, I just, I can't help myself. The, the more that I, that I've learned in business or one of the things that I've learned in business is just, if you can do it by yourself, just do it by yourself. But I can't help myself. I keep trying to collaborate with other businesses and other people. And it's just like, yeah. let's do this together. I don't know. It's just funner that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I agree. And I, I think like it's extra exciting because, you know, we're you, you far more than I by, you know, uh, almost 10 years, but, you know, we're pioneers in this, in this emerging industry, you know, in some places it's emerging uh, quicker, more efficient, sooner than in other areas of the country but you know it's popping off and it's an exciting time because like you see capitalism like just in an instant like i mean how many of your vendors or you know competition that have like come and gone like that you know what i mean some of the biggest companies that i thought would be here forever you know i would look at them and i'd be like wow you know like how did you achieve that how did you get that far like that's amazing you're gonna be around forever and now they're not here. It's it's crazy. And you hear of big companies um, that are coming around in the area and buying up the shops. And it's 
it's not um there there are big corporations from out of the country too so it's think, it's sad do you think that's a result of kind of the opposite thing that you're facing which you know just mean like maybe they didn't have that the extra 10 years that you had in the industry and you know they didn't come from kind of that medical do you think they just weren't earning that respect what, what do you think it was um i don't know i mean for some of them they were definitely more of a chain uh, but yeah. um you know where the, it, it looks like because shops are totally different right and there's a yeah. shop for every kind of person but there's definitely some shops that are more focused on quantity and in fast financial gain and then there's other ones who are focused more on quality and there's a, a handful of those that are here in bend i feel like and I feel like those that are ones that are focused on quality are not going to give up PC. And unless we're kicked out or forced out of the industry, like we, this is this is our lives. Like there's no way we would sell this. But the ones that are focused more on um, the quantity of things, you know, I have just all the stuff and just bring everything. I want to sell everything. The good, bad, middle, mids, whatever it is, like I want to sell it. Those companies seem to kind of follow the pattern of selling sooner and, and it, it having be more of a, an investment. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I totally align with that. I think I think that it's again, it's capitalism, but it happens like in the flash of a pan. Too. It's like it's like water in a hot pan. It's like, yeah. and uh, there is no science to it. You know, I, I have to have conversations like this weekly. You know, on the regular, where it's like, you know, new companies with actual, you know, they come in funded, and it's normally funded companies right? Yeah. The ones that like maybe haven't, again, either earned the respect of the community or I don't want to sound like a hippie or like, you know, but just like lack that soul, lack that brand integrity, you know, that's not being a hippie. It's hard for brand people. Uh, thing. <laughs> totally. No, I agree. And, you know, for people who have their heart and soul into this and they, they really understand cannabis, it's, it's part of our lives. So it has improved our lives so immensely that, you know, there's yeah. just so much love that when you hear cannabis, it's not just a plant. There's this whole movement behind it that you picture in your head and that you feel your head. That's not something that you can just read about no. or tell someone about, you know, you have to really live it and, and feel the joy from it to be able to make those connections. And I think ultimately that connection with customers and the other people, people in the industry is just kind of what, what sets apart the two, the, the two worlds. I and I agree. see constantly big businesses, uh, cannabis businesses of the, the small guy, right. That yeah. started and did this amazing brand because they just have so much talent, so much passion. They have the brains, the means. Um, but just because, you know, business is business and it can be ugly. And sometimes you can have, um, you know, all the good intention in the world, but investors, play a big role on it, or even a landlord um, who owns your property and then all of a sudden kicks you out without you having nowhere to go. Well, there goes your rent. If you're yeah. not ready to jump on another spot, sometimes like that's it. And I do see a few of those um, businesses. I see the owners getting back out there and almost having to start from scratch, but they're not doing anything else. This is where it's at. This is what they're going to do. Legal, not legal, with a license, without a license. This is, this is their life. And yeah. Yeah, I, I do respect that for sure. Those are the kind of companies that we want to work with too. Yeah. Are they it, getting, we get it? You have, you have these like, I don't want to say, sometimes it's non-cannabis businesses trying to get into cannabis, but mostly it's like, well, yeah, or, or maybe, um, maybe like um, entrepreneurs or even employees who have a extensive non-cannabis background that come into cannabis there's, there's always like, there's a couple things that I, I, I sometimes see as like a common thread. One is there's dollar signs in their eyes. Yeah. Right. And I think you and I can both attest to the fact that while there's money in this industry, it is not quick. It is not fast money. Like definitely not. Um, and also the disconnect. And I think that's maybe just a salesy sort of thing, but like that disconnect and again, lack of soul, lack of, you know, brand integrity, whatever that just disconnect between like who the consumers really are. Let me give you an example. Like I am at trade shows and conferences constantly and constantly at least once at any event, 
there will be X such and such pharmaceutical company who are investigating, you know, the, the impact of CBD or, or, or trying to isolate the THC molecule to, to maximize it to like whatever bullshit. Right. And they make these products that are so terrible, like, so there, there's not a cannabis consumer on the planet who would want to like have a relationship with these products, but you have this, this disconnect. And I think it's, you know, the, like the, the dollar signs, right. I mean, have you seen that's, that's, I think part of what you're seeing in real time in Oregon is like, and again, it may, may not be a pharmaceutical company, but you see what I mean? Like this just disconnect of like, how do we get in the game? You know, like, how do we exploit this plant? How do we turn this, like, like, how do we turn cannabis culture or how do we co-opt cannabis culture into pharmaceutical necessity it's gross it's gross i i i I, at one of the events i held these products in my hand and and in my brain as it does every time i hold a product like that i'm just like just throw it in the trash just like throw it in the trash but i was like you know what whatever i'll give it a try and it was like some breath spray and it was the worst thing that has ever been put in my mouth ever like in the history of my life it was just so foul but you know i don't know anyway now, and there's also a standard of uh like you're talking about of the product of the end result of the product that you kind of see with with these type of companies um you know like it's in it since they're not consumers direct consumers they don't really care what they're putting in their body they don't get it but if you were, you know, try to give them, I don't know, remediated lettuce, like, would you want that? <laughs> no. No, you want, you want your lettuce to not have had mold and, and, and fix. Right. You, you just want fresh lettuce. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, I think, uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, with the recreational community, uh, people are still understanding that, yeah, cannabis is not all grown the same. There's right. so many different things you can do to it. Um, and to know, to know your shop, because um, it is important for you to know your shop because that kind of gives you an idea of who they're buying from, yep. you know? And then like, I always compare it to, you know, wine, like you go to the, to a grocery store and you have the big boxes of wine and that's fine. There's a space for that, but you also, you know, you have the higher end stuff that you can only buy at made with a little more love. You can only buy at wineries and, you know, there's a market for both, but the consumer should be, should have the right to know what they're buying. I agree. And it should be your choice, whether it's the box wine or, you know, the, the winery wine. But yeah. just just be be upfront to what it is, and and it is what it is. You have the right to consume whatever you want, you know. Yeah, it, it's just like the definition of success for businesses outside of the cannabis space and cannabis brands are not like they couldn't be more different. Yeah. They just couldn't. They just couldn't be. Um, I've never been to Bend. I've never been to Oregon. Um, oh. I know. I'll get there. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, like that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, once I got to Oregon, I had these big plans. I, I wanted to become a, I wanted to become an attorney. I wanted to become a foreign officer, work for an embassy, travel the world, be, go move around every three, four or five years from country to country. And, you know, all on the embassy's bank account. Um, I had lots of friends that did that. And once, when I saw that, I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. And then I got to Oregon before cannabis. And I got to Oregon. And I was like, that's not what I want. I just want to stay here forever it's amazing what a place can like how a a place can do that to you like i felt that when i first moved to new york city i was like i'm never leaving this place ever in my life and of course you have to because no one can afford to live in new york city but after several years i was like bon voyage and vermont had the same effect on me you know i was like you know there's no place in this country where i can see myself and i think that's like that's like just some cosmic pull that yeah. wherever you're supposed to be, you finally get there and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This well, is I've right. never been to Vermont and I hear wonderful things about it. I feel like people- We'll switch, we'll switch houses. Totally, we can swap come out. to my place, I'll go to yours. <laughs> um, I'm curious how Bend um, had like, if, and I'm sure it has, but like how and if it has shaped cannabis, I mean, obviously it's right in your name, but how yeah. it's shaped kind of the brand out, how, how, why is Bend important to like 
the ethos to um, how the brand is, yeah. has evolved? So, so my husband used to uh, vacation here in Bend. We're a three-hour drive from Portland, and his yep. family would vacation in Bend often. And so we, that was like back in the, when we first met, my first time in Bend was like back in the 90s. But we would always come here and Ben was just such a small little ski town, but they had that, it just had that cool culture about it. You know, that yeah. it's very, um, it's it, like it a just, Boulder or a Burlington or, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was a party vibe, but there was a very relaxed vibe and there was full of extreme sports, which I kind of, I think gave it the edge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, then there were young people, everybody's drinking, like, you know, just fun stuff. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, we so emotionally you know very attached to ben um and um i don't know the people are just great i think it's just yeah. the environment i think it's the there's air. no place you could i there's mean there's no other place yeah there's another place because in portland and other areas of oregon it just rains a ton so when you hear oregon you just picture tons of rain right but ben it's like I'm, people are going to be pissed that i'm saying this but it's a little paradise here like we have when we were in portland and we wanted um to go out somewhere where it wasn't raining, we would look at the map of the weather and bend was always clear. And it's so patchy, but like it'd be cold and the sun's out. It's snowing, but the sun's out. It's raining, but 10 minutes later, the sun's going to be out. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. And so, I don't know. Meanwhile, we just moved in Portland, there. it's miserable. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very <laughs> rainy. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, just our, our love for bend. And you know, now the second time we moved here back in 2000, 2001, moved back to Portland to continue our education, you know, pursue life, build careers, because cannabis was was not even, it was just a, a, a fantasy. It wasn't even a dream. It was just a fantasy. Yeah. Uh, then we moved back in uh, 2010 to start our family. And um, I mean, everybody just loves Ben. And it's so relaxed, but it can also be so high-end, which I don't know, it kind of fits, kind of fits our... What, what we like you know what I mean we like the finer things in life but we also love this nature life and being really grounded yeah. and uh, you know we kind of like that happy medium and be totally. able to enjoy the, the best of everything which also brings us bring me brings me to the whole idea behind cannabis you know we say every shelf is top shelf because you're in Oregon you should only be smoking the best we're Oregon why are you smoking this right. <laughs> Like there's, there's so much stuff. And this is why one of the reasons why we opened the store, because we could see the product and it'll be like, what are people doing? I know I can do better than this. I know I can bring in better flower, better customer service, a better experience. So let's do this. And so there's really no reason why anybody that. should be smoking subpar product. That's Oregon. Find the man the best. That is a, that is one of the, I would say if there's one thing that has come up in every single podcast I've done, it is that what you just said, which is I saw something that I knew. And by the way, me guilty, guilty of like, and, and thankfully I'm guilty of this. I saw, you know, I saw something that I know I can do better. I can do cheaper. I whatever, whatever, like, right. and I'll, you know, so many people say that so many people think that, but you know, one tenth of one percent, you know, like a small percentage of those people actually say, you know what, like I am going to do something. Right. right. I remember that day. I remember, I remember both days where the universe is like, shut up or put up. And it was the first one was like me thinking that and was like, I can do in the cannabis space. Like I can do what I can do this. I can do this better. Like I'm better at this, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the universe is like, okay, do it. And I sold a website, right? And then the wow. second time was when the universe decided to fire me from my, from I lost my job, right? I got fired from my job um, because Canna Planners was, you know, it was hard to keep that secret. Over. It took over and my boss figured it out and, and you know, gave me the heave ho. And I had that a similar, that's why I asked like, what was that timeline between yeah. getting laid off and, um, you know, saying in, you know, at least committing in your mind to doing this thing. Cause for me, it was like, and I've told, I've talked about this before on this podcast, but it was like 20 minutes, maybe uh, how long it was. It's 30 minutes because I, I got fired. I called my wife to come pick me up because she had the car that day. 
and the commute is 25 minutes. So she had, she had art, like I got fired, you know, she dropped me off. I, I was out of a job like 10 minutes later. She picked me up 15 minutes after that. And we were home, you know, 25 minutes after that. So what, what, 45 minutes. And I went through all of the stages of like, oh shit, I'm screwed. Like, what do I do? I lost my job. I can't like all, all of the stages of grief. Like I went through them like that. And then I sold another website the next morning. And I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. And it validated that first universal punch in the face, which was like, oh yeah, you can do this better. No, you (laughs) can't. Yes, I can. Um, (laughs) Because you got to believe in yourself. You do. And then you do have to stay on top of it because there's always going to be people who actually can do better than you. And it's will true. do better than you. And For so sure. we're all indispensable. And that's, you know, like I, sometimes I have these hard talks with employees when, you know, when I just see things going off and I just, it's somebody told me in uh, back, way back in the day, it's the same thing. And, and it really, um, it just, you know, changed something in me where I was just like, okay, you know what? It is my responsibility to take care of my job. And yeah. as an owner of a company, um, you know, where things move so fast and there's so much money coming in, there's so many trends that just change almost weekly. You do have to stay on top of it. And what is working, what, what has to work these last three months may not work today and tomorrow. And so yeah. you constantly have to be evaluating things and, and just kind of and, and be present. And I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a cannabis anymore every day. I used to, for the first two and a half years, uh, Ron, Lyle, and I had to butt tent because we didn't have money for employees. Same thing here in this grow. You know, it was us who, who started it, no employees seven days a week. And then now, now we have some employees. So now my job is, is the receipts and the books. To talk to me. <laughs> and then, you know, it takes me more away from time from the garden, but um, uh, kind of losing my train of thought here. Um, well, that, that's okay. I have, I have another question. Yeah, if you'd ahead. like, yes. I'll, I'll, this is my job. When you start to trail, I'll bring you back. All right. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I work with my wife. Um, you work with your husband. I work with my wife. Uh, it took me a couple of years to convince her that we should work together because she, you know, enjoys her life and not being around me uh, all day. Um, but I love kind of family built companies, especially when they like hit that, you know, stride where you could easily see it going on like generationally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. So you work with your husband. Can you, can you talk to me about that? I mean, it's a tough dynamic, especially with partner, yeah. you know, like a, a business partnership is a marriage, but when you're double married, like you know, it, it, it sometimes yeah. makes, I, I find myself having different, and of course, like this happens with marriage or whatever, but like we have different kinds of com- conversations. Our priorities are different now. I feel like she understands me better now that she works here and I understand her better because I see her working. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Like how yeah. working uh, with the man, how is it? So, I mean, you know, we've been together forever. We started, um, you know, dating when I was 18 and he was 20. So, you know, we're now we're 44 and 44, almost 42. Um, so definitely a long time to get to know each other, but it, we hadn't worked together up until cannabis. And so then we were working together, we're doing the grow together and then we're living together. So definitely a lot, but I mean, you always hear this communication is a key, but you know, it, it really is the key and just knowing what your goal is, right? Because sometimes you can get redirected and, and kind of, go in different directions and your goal kind of loses. But at the end of the day, you have to remember, okay, well, well, what, what, like, what is it that Canavan does? What is it that we, we well, what we do here? And then you kind of, you know, try to get back and, and, and compromise, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, it's, it's so important. Um, yeah. But in the communication has been really important too, because I, like, I want to make sure that I feel heard. So I definitely speak my mind yep. and he speaks his mind. Um, but um you just have to, like, for example, we, we, one of the things that we go by is how, how it feels on yourself. Is it going to, does it feel like a weight on your shoulders? You know, if it has any of that kind of feel, then obviously, you know, like on paper, it may look good, but that's not something that we want to live with. And yeah. so sometimes that aspect has helped us arrive to those decisions. 
where either he gives in or I give in because something about it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> and, and you know, and you, and you have to, <laughs> you have to let down your, uh, put down your ego, totally. you know, and just really open yourself up. But for me, at least it comes down to a lot of times my decisions and with that, well, am I going to walk away, feel, away feeling with like zero guilt and zero weight on my shoulder? Cause that's how I want to live my life. Yeah. And that has helped us make lots of decisions together. And, and then it feels good because you're doing it for the interest of, the business and then for yourselves too. Absolutely. And you've gotten there together. And you've you know, gotten you've there ulti- ultimately made that decision together, whether it was, you know, your idea or his idea or, or what, you know, like whatever. And knowing each other's strengths too, for example, you know, yeah. like he has let me, um, like I know when we were growing, things are different now, but when we were growing, he was the guy that was in the grow. I had to be the cover, right? have the job, have everything on paper. No, we don't do anything here. Everything's fine. I would never smoke, you know, like I don't do that. We're not that kind of family. So, which kept me away from the garden, which I hated because what I wanted to do was learn how to grow cannabis, but I had to keep the job and keep this front. And so automatically you end up, when it comes to the knowledge of cannabis, it's very male dominated, right? Because men have been in the gardens more often. And so here as a a woman, I do try to employ um, other females, but that just that that right there um, was something that kind of gave him an upper hand on in the whole knowledge of things, right? But um, so I let him do that because he has more experience, and I do have my input in certain things, and we go back and forth, you know, because it's not like I haven't learned anything either, you know, when during when we're not showing the, the front back then, you know, you I was in the garden helping out, being being the extra hand, but then when it comes to Things for the store, for example, like um, uh, the re- keeping the relationships, being the face of the store, um, taking, you know, more of that, um, yeah, the relationship building and taking care of the employees and the staff. And I guess maybe bringing more of that mothering instinct, you yeah. know, that's something that I thrive in. So, of course, he lets me take that in, and run with it. And he lets me use my vision, too. So it, it has worked out great. Um, but I also it's think it has worked balance. out get in a good energy balance. And I also think it's because like, I don't think it would have worked the same way if we were had a liquor store together, you know, or a bar. It may be a little different <laughs> since we both are big consumers. I think that's a pretty big factor too. And how just, that. you know, not emotional we are when we make decisions and, you yeah. know, just more level-headed. We're just actually talking and it's been so fun that, yeah, these are experiences that we want to share with each other. Yeah. And so it, it just makes it funner that way. So, but since we both love it, it has worked. If I wasn't, it was a person that didn't smoke. I'm not sure how well this would have worked and how, yeah. you know, I, I, I can vibe with that for sure. I, for a while, like, um, and not, it doesn't particularly matter for us so much. I think I, I can see what you mean. Like on the retail side of things, like you want to, you know, you can understand your products better if you're a consumer of it on the digital side of things, not so much. I would say most people here smoke cannabis i think probably definitely but there's a few that don't my wife included and you know she's had the opposite experience where like she has a whole new understanding because she's worked with you know hundreds of clients at this point to like you know try to you know bring their vision to reality right like that so she she's her focus has been on like the creative side of it and cannabis is just the vehicle for her her clients but i can totally relate to that you know um do you mind if i ask you about ron no please please do (laughs) so i firstly i'm I'm sorry on the on his passing i'm I'm sure that was you know terrible um beyond the obvious kind of human toll that the death of a friend can uh, and loved one can have on, on any person. I can't imagine, you know, that impact on my business, right? Um, how, how did you cope as a human, you know, I, I know how humans cope when this sort of thing happens, but how does a business cope? Yeah. Um, so it was very hard. And I think it was a little bit unusual for us because we were um, a partnership, you know, that was split three ways Ron Lyle and I, and at the time, Ron had, um, and uh, I mean, th- this is he, this is an amazing guy. He was a hundred miles an hour in everything he did. Super smart, you know, big cannabis user. Grew a lot, but also had his life, you know, like straight. Like his responsibilities, everything he did was just like on point. 
-hmm. and incredible work ethic. One of the, the strongest work ethics I've ever come across. And um, so, you know, everything like see, was pretty set with him, but then all of a sudden um, he gets diagnosed with brain cancer and within one year he was, he was dead. Um, in that year, he had reconnected before he found out that he had cancer, he had reconnected with somebody from childhood that they had always kind of had a connection with, but you know, life happens, marriages, kids, colleges, you, you move away. And then um, he didn't have some, someone at the time, she had already uh, didn't have her partner either. And so they had reconnected then and they only had a year until, until he passed. But you know, that year he pretty much spent uh, trying to fight the disease and you know, just trying to deal with it and, and his entire life changed. Um, so now we had this, uh, Cindy is uh, our, our new partner, it's uh, his, his wife. And she, he knew her well, but we had never met her. So, you know, she was really a stranger to us, right? We had gone out to dinner maybe twice, three times, things like that. Um, but Ron, in, towards the end, he, you know, it was such a big dream that we had made it, that we had created a business in cannabis. And that it, that's why I was saying, because of people that really pour their heart and in, in lives into it, like, we're not going to sell. You know, like, I mean, unless if we're not going to sell a stop there and be like, okay, I, I did it right. Like if, if we do happen to sell because it's an amazing opportunity, we, we want to build more. Yep. Um, and so he was like, I, I want Cindy to be a part of the business. I want her to take my shares. And you know what, what do you say to a dying man? You know, you, you pick your battles, <laughs> don't say like, no. <laughs> you don't say like, you, you know, it's not the time to, to pick a fight or anything, but it was some, a time where we had to sit down and be like, okay, what are we doing here? Where do we do we share our business with basically a total stranger? You know, like Ron, Ron knows it's a very important part. And then at the end, sometimes you just have to make the leap, and you know, trust trust in the process and, and trust that gut feeling, right? Because yeah. had I walked away from it, I'd probably still have that weight on my shoulders. And yeah. I'd always wonder how could I have done that to Ron? Like, and, or, or you know, I just I couldn't yeah. have lived with that. My husband, same thing. So same thing. We talk about things, and we're like this feels right. You know, it may not be what people say, this is what you should do with the best business advice, but that's, that's not life. And so, so we're like, let's do it. And, um, so she became our third partner. Ron passed away soon after that. And, you know, she was in a really rough spot because the man that she had just reconnected, you know, fell in love with again, they get married. He passes away 10 days later, her mother dies and she's from Nebraska. So then she comes to, has to come here. And she's thrown in into this yeah. gigantic industry where she, with people she doesn't know, she doesn't know any, you know, like who's who, you know, she kind of has an idea, but she's trying to now find her spot. And at the beginning, I'd say that first year they were, as we're trying to get to know each other and there's so many other influences because there's other factors there too. There's good people in your circle and there's bad people in your circle. Yeah. And unfortunately you have to, you, you know, you deal with it all, with it all. And um, so there were a few bumps in there, uh, but at the end we sat down and we're like, okay, what do we want? We all want the same thing. So then there's really no reason to, for any negativity, for any conflict. And what are we gonna do from now on, from here on out? The three of us, communication, whatever it is, we communicate and we have each other's backs. It's been, I'd say maybe three years since that conversation, three, four years, and things have been wonderful. That was the last time we had to have that conversation, which really blows my mind. And we have this with this talk about it, not just with Lila, with Cindy all the time, but with other people and friends, because you don't really hear these types of stories. Usually uh, partnerships go bad. Yeah. And we always say like, Cindy is, was Ron's gift to us. Um, and it's, it's just been wonderful. I always get a little emotional just thinking about it, yeah. but it's almost like, a, a, yeah, it's our gift. It's um, to to not have that headache of, of you know, a conflict and partnership is just one of the biggest gifts. And so um, I think also that energy, um, we, we always talk about the energy in the spot. It's, and it starts with us. And then from us, it goes to the employees and then from the employees to the customers and everything is just, you know, it works in harmony. And I think it, it just goes a lot farther. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's what I've experienced with, with, with Cindy. And, and now we're great friends. And like, and, and in all honesty, I think that we get along better with Cindy than we ever did with Ron. But <laughs> 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 uh, she's just great. And she's, you know, she's family now. And yeah, the, the, we, we, it, it's funny because uh, before we always used to like talk, our, talk about ourselves, you know, we're like the three little birds. Sometimes we're the three blind mice. 
but you know we're still three and we're still going strong and yeah things we, we, we feel very blessed in that area but yeah it wasn't easy but it was a lot of it was just you know what feels right and what should you do and just taking the leap of faith and whether it's good or bad it doesn't matter even if things would have turned bad you walk away without that weight on your shoulders you know yeah. that you did your best and it, life it is what it is but you're fine that's awesome i appreciate you sharing that thank you so much um so one thing I definitely noticed in the little bit of research that I was able to do on you was what I interpreted it as your kind of perspective on the power of network. Like, uh -huh. so you have joint scullery and uh, is it just I dot cannabis? I, I cannabis. I cannabis. So, and those, those companies seem like, uh, uh, two sides of the same coin, right? Like one's a party and the other one's educational, you know, educational, right? Yeah, right? Educational and networking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you talk yes. a little bit about that and kind of like how yeah. the, the, the synchronicity between those things and maybe like developing the community and how that plays back into cannabis? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you're automatically working in cannabis, you're thrown in with, um, what goes together, art and music. You know, people want to come yeah. in and for you to sponsor or do shows, meet and greets, things like that um, through art, you know, same thing. And but, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a people person and I, I want to be involved. And so one of the things of when I made the decision to go from my legal field to cannabis and I told my mother, I told her, I was like, I know that I can bring in um, just kind of like a different air um, into at least speaking about the Bend area of what um, cannabis businesses are and the people behind it are. And I'm in a particular spot where I feel like I can have a pretty strong impact on it. Just being a minority, being a female. At the time I had uh, two children and I was pregnant. Uh, when I first started uh, cannabis, I was pregnant with my third. Or I had, I, I had, wasn't pregnant yet, but in like within like four months, I was gonna find out that I was pregnant. And I felt like I was going hundred miles an hour and then all of a sudden it was just like, I'm pregnant and it, it, it just knocked me back. And I remember crying and just being like, this is not the time. Like I have so much going for me. Like I just, you know, I got to do this. And, and then, you know, like after a day or two, I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to be that example. Uh, I'm going to run with it. I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to show that people can wear all those hats. You know, you can be a, a, a cannabis business. Uh, owner, you can be a cannabis consumer, <laughs> you can do this, and you can still, you know, lead a responsible life, you know, do, do the right things that you're supposed to do. Um, and, and not necessarily by society, but by my own standards, right? Sure. And so values. I, your, your values, which is, uh, family values are very important to me. And so um, along with that, I started the event planning. Uh, one of the reasons why I started that was because I love cooking. And so I started with like little dinner parties, little edible dinner parties. And it was just like, you know, you kind of have more equipment. And next thing you know, you have a cannabis events and rental company. You know, you have all these things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because we were big consumers of the product, um, we also brought like a different element. We, we kind of knew what, what was needed in these events, right? So at the time we would bring in entire dab bars and with people with your your dab tenders kind of thing where they're you know a, a torch for everybody um you know dab rigs um there's been so many projects open that i've been open about and also that i've had to be very low-key about um you probably didn't know that i ran a, a cannabis speakeasy here in Ben for about two years it's called <laughs> tell me about it I, I gotta know amazing Is there a secret <laughs> knock there was, there was, we would send you a map that looked like straight out of the Simpsons. And so it was just pictures and you'd have to find, it was like a little Payless shoe sore size. You had to find your way. You find a door with a keypad, another set of stairs, a green light, another keypad, and then you'd walk in and then I have to send That's you. That's awesome. <laughs> and so we had a full on uh, dab bar in there and lounge um, for members only, very private. We held concerts in there for about 50, 60 people with massive sessions. Um, our business, we had a business partner at the time. Um, he had an amazing collection of glass. Some of his glass pieces were worth like 50K. And so where do, where do you get to go to a place where you can go smoke out of a $50,000 dab rig? Not just one, but a few of them. Yeah. And nowhere. And so because of regulations and the business that I'm in, 
um, and conflicts. There were lots of, um, I, I, I couldn't be the face of it. So we had to be very low keys, which we had to have a partner. It was very different. Um, yeah. But the uh, COVID happened. So we had to close that spot. Now we're actually working on expanding cannabis into there too. It actually happens to be next to cannabis. No one knows. I mean, some people <laughs> know. But so you, you, get your map, you get your map, get your map, you know. <laughs> And then you just do a full day. circle and wind full up circle. back at Canavan. <laughs> yeah. Through the back, the back of Canavan. Yeah, yeah. The back door. <laughs> you, you drive through Canavan through the front, it's just blacked out windows next to Canavan. It just looks like an abandoned spot. And it's not. There's so much art in there. Yeah. And so with these connections with the art and uh, the music, you just kind of throw in that world. And so having, you know, start doing cannabis events just kind of fell in my lap. And what do you do when these opportunities fall in your lap? You take them and you run with it, you know, see what sticks. <laughs> and then for the educational part of it, at the time Women Grow, this big organization was really oh, yeah. uh, growing and pushing forward. And so the highlight on women in the industry was becoming, um, uh, yeah, there was just more emphasis in it. And, and being a female and a minority, uh, it, it really, um, and it was, it was a good spot for me. So I partnered up with this other girl from another dispensary here in town, um, wonderful girl too. And then we started doing these meetings and then eventually she moved out of town and then I continued doing iCannabis. But that was more because I could also see, see the need, right? For being, because now I'm a business owner, I'm also a consumer. Um, and um, so I could see, right? And, and I'm also a producer because we're also growing. So I could really see right what was needed in all three areas, which kind of gave me um, an upper hand on, on what was needed, right? So then I, I did the fun thing, but that's also let's take this a little seriously because cannabis is so change, it's changing yeah. constantly. And, and, and like I said earlier, not all cannabis is growing the same. Well, let's teach you why not. And let's teach, let's teach you how to shop and what are the things that are gonna be benefit for you. So instead of, it kind of started too, because people would come into the shop and they would wanna talk for a long time, right? Yes. And we didn't have time to do this. So then, hey, we have this amazing meeting. We have every month, we talk about a different product or a different topic and we bring in uh, experts. And this is a great place for you to come and learn. So, I mean, we talked about mold and mildew. We talked about terpenes. We talked about um, um, multiple sclerosis, uh, the different types of extracts that there are, like what is BHO, what is like resin, you know, what is RSO, solventless, like all these things that it just blows people's minds and they're too overwhelmed when they show up at the store and, and they don't know what they're looking at. And yeah. so these kind of meetings really offered a spot for that and also for people to launch their brand and and just kind of, I mean, there were three meetings, but it was also kind of like a service to the community. I've always been, you know, just really, really big in that. Um, I, I guess yeah. it goes back to making that well, connection. That's obvious. Is that, that is obvious <laughs> that you have a love for not only, you know, your, what, the, the community of cannabis, but also Bend. Like, ben, yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty fair. And I also it's, think it's really cool. Sharing, sharing that. Um, yeah, totally. I, to share all that. Totally. And, and, you know, there's, there's so many things to kind of poke at here, but I, I do love the, I do love the duality of both of those companies and, you know, how I, how I imagine that would, um, you would be supporting current customers through the kind of the party thing and then creating new ones through the iCannabis. I so I think that's awesome. Stay and, and connected to the culture of it too. You know, and, and, and that too, that's the other thing is like, you're still supporting and growing, you know, and adding to the culture, whether it's with its a, a cultural event or, you know, people you're educating who will eventually attend events just like that. Because there's, you know, one of a, a turn up as a consumer, right? And somebody who's been in this industry for yeah. a while, I do take, you know, it's a little bit of a turn up when you go um, hear people talk about cannabis and they're big preachers, preachers and, and all of it. And then you find out that they don't even smoke. You know, yeah. you just feel a little, you just feel a little cheater. You're like, okay, well, I don't know. I mean, first impressions do matter. You, you know, you don't want to judge, judge people and, you know, you try not to, but it, it says something about you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, then, you know, when you start kind of networking and you start finding the other people, right, that are kind of like you and that are into it for the same reasons. And those are the kind of companies that, um, we also want to work with a cannabis, the people that, I mean, there's always the big brands, right. That people demand yeah. and you're like, okay, well, you know, not everything can be like this, you know, I'll, I'll take this one here, this one there. Um, but yeah, how, who you are in the business, how you run your business does matter to us. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so back to Oregon, the last couple of years, I can imagine have been slightly more stressful, you know, beyond COVID, I'm sure having an impact on um, just retail. You've also live in an area of the country with a, a widely publicized oversaturated market between, you know, Bend specifically and, you know, the entire Pacific Northwest, in addition to most of Northern California. I'm curious kind of, I'm curious about your, your insight into yeah. that and kind of where it is now. Like, are you feeling, you know, COVID? I do. Yeah, COVID, I do have an interesting take. Yeah. So we are overly saturated in crappy weed. Yeah. Amen, Lizette. You got the fire <laughs> though. <laughs> but everyone else is doing fine. If you're in a that company, shitty outdoor doesn't even go inside <laughs> your store, does it? <laughs> no, once in a while during um, like November, depending on what we're able to look at, we will have a shelf that highlights sun grown because there's some really good stuff that's sun grown. And we want people yeah. to see the difference between indoor and sun grown. But we want to do that right around, you know, like right after harvest season. We don't want to do that in like August. Yeah, you know, for, sure. <laughs> for sure. So you're, so you're not, not you're not stressing it. No, we're not stressing it. Not in that sense. Uh, the people that struggle are the ones that have gone too big. Some of the 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 good farms we have also noticed um, farms that have been killing it, and yeah. then all of a sudden they expand. And unfortunately, it's very few the ones that have been able to expand without sacrificing quality. Yeah. Most of them, you, you see a slight change, not huge, but a slight change. And what you were sold out of before a lot right now may take a little bit longer, but those are for the good farms, but they can still move it. I, by no means would I call it saturated in that sense. Now for the people. Thank you for setting it straight. In the, the East, <laughs> us over here on the East coast, we've been worried sick about you guys for real. <laughs> now we, we have a pure picture. Don't believe the yeah. fake media folks. It is Don't, bad weed. Right. That is saturating the market. Yeah. Which not we don't the, want to. Not that fire. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you want to, and that's what I was talking about. You want to be here long term or you want to be, you know, just be like a shooting star, you know, shine and then die off right away. Yep. And, and yeah, you make, make a lot of money by having these huge crops, but you're going to come and go quick. Yeah, definitely. Well, tell me, tell me kind of your forecast and, you know, I appreciate your time, taking your time out of, out of your, your schedule. So we'll, we'll put a pin in it after this, but I'm curious kind of the forecast you, you see for Bend and the Pacific Northwest, like where, what's can, what's next for Bend over the next couple of years? Um, well, we do see the big, the gigantic companies coming in. We see companies from Canada uh, coming in strong and really taking over um, some uh, businesses that I, I was shocked. I never knew that those thought envisioned a world without those businesses and, and they were doing well. There wasn't people who were broke or anything. And so um, with the federal legalization, we are also afraid of just um, the taxes and fees that they put on us. I think a lot of people think that because you open a cannabis businesses, you're making tons of money. And the right. reality is that we move, we move tons of product. We don't get to keep that much of yeah. the profit between taxes and overhead expenses, uh, payroll, it's, 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 uh, it's not what people think, you know, right. we, the, in, in, all, in all honesty, we're still paycheck to paycheck, yeah. you know, and, and it pays the bills, it pays the bills, the payroll for 10 to 11 families, like employees. And so that, that, that's a lot for us. It pays for us three owners. Um, but it's not something by that by any means we're like, oh, we did it. You know, like the store runs up by itself. Lamborghinis no, for everybody. Right. No, no. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that limits us a lot. Like I want to buy the best product for the store. I can't afford it. A lot of times I can't afford it. I have to play with it. Usually work like two weeks, two weeks out. You know, like, well, what, what can we afford with, this, with this, these next two weeks? I can't buy that. I can only buy them maybe two weeks from now. But and, and it limits you, but which is fine, you know you grow a little by little and it doesn't yeah. make us desperate or anything, but we are afraid that with the big companies coming in, they're going to be able to pay these gigantic fees and taxes that we're just not going to be able to. Yeah. And, and then those small businesses get pushed out. But with that said, we do think that there's going to be a small place for businesses like ours who really focus on quality, who really focus on just like the, you know, cause we have the upper edge cause we, you know, we are part of the culture. We consume it. 
we have built our entire lives around it. We understand it in a different way that they do. You know, we kind of know what trends are coming. We want to be here to set the trends and to tell you what you should be smoking, you know, instead of these companies who are just like, you know, they, they don't even think about those things, right? Yeah. And so we're hoping that there will be a spot for businesses like us to survive, you know, because yeah, there's people who only care about the highest THC and the cheapest price, but there's a whole bunch of people like us um, who who are not like that. And so yeah. we're hoping that we'll be we'll stay around um, with our foundation and our, the building blocks that we've built that will be one of those small shops that stays around. Hell yeah! Well, Lizette Coppinger of Bend, Oregon, I believe in you. Uh, I know that these guys are nothing compared to the amazing product and customer service that you and your team brings to your customers. So you're going to, you're going to drive them right back to Canada. That's what's going to happen. If anybody's well, yeah. going to do it, it's going to be you. I Thank appreciate you so your time so much and talking to us and telling us about your, your journey and how clearly passionate you are about being a business owner and working in this amazing community. Would you tell uh, the listeners where they can find out more about you? Um, hmm, let's see. Well, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why I need companies like you, like Plan Canada Planners that helps me with my website and stuff, because I, I just, I, you know, there's so much going on that I, I can't stay up on, on top of my social media or my LinkedIn profile or like, you know, my Facebook and, and all of it. So it's a little bit mix of everything, but I will report um, that back to our business <laughs> development manager and they will follow up with you. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, you know, face, Facebook and Instagram sometimes are just the easiest, you know, cause we're always on our phone and it just, it really is the easiest. <laughs> cool. Well, we, that, will, that, we will link like all of the things me. in the description below in YouTube. Uh, and when we put this podcast out, Lizette Coppinger of Bend, Oregon, founder of Cannabend of Joint Scullery and IDOC Cannabis. I thank you so much for your time today and joining us on Common Sense Amia. We will see you next time, folks. Like and subscribe. I've never said uh -huh. that before. So do it. Bye. Bye.